Hey everyone, uh, listen, we have a really good one for you today. And uh, we're gonna get going there in just a minute and we're gonna see just one of those reminders of something that the Bible warns us about and it's often skipped, but uh, we, listen, it's gonna be encouraging because you're gonna wonder, uh, no doubt, like most people who believe in Bible prophecy that Jesus is coming back, why is this happening too? And it can become very discouraging. So, uh, listen, we're going to take a look at that because we need to be reminded of this because it gets so easily overlooked. And uh, so we're going to go there in a second. And we're going to connect some dots. Okay, but before we get going, uh, this is just a reminder. Hey, if you like what we have here, just like and subscribe and share. And by the way, we have everything on the app and on the website, Hope for Our Times app, Hope for Our Times website. Uh, just to give you an example, I can't say too much about this, but uh, Sunday morning, this past Sunday morning, Mark Henry, uh, Pastor Mark had uh, done the message at 412 Church in my place. I'm up this Sunday morning, but it was yanked by the popular, uh, you know, the popular platform where most people go to to watch videos. And uh, it's very strange. It was yanked over some uh, ridiculous reason, yet... It played on the 412 Church YouTube channel. So we have everything playing on the app. Uh, there's things that, uh, for whatever reason, are just get censored uh, by the other platforms. So check it out. Everything is there. In case you miss anything, you wonder if I talked about something, uh, listen, sometimes we, even with our lives, we have Live Monday and Live Tuesday that we do on the app. We post on YouTube the next day simply because of editing challenges that we may have due to uh, two sensitive ears over at YouTube. So I just want to give you a heads up. Go to the app and, uh, and on the website, and uh, you'll be blessed. Everything is there, like I said. Okay, but in the meantime, if you're on YouTube, like, subscribe, share. It still is uh, the number one way to get the message out there until we are completely closed down from there. A couple of upcoming events. I'm in uh, Lake Stevens, Washington. Uh, coming up uh, this week, and then I'm going to be in North Carolina coming up, and then I'm going to meet a group of you in Israel right after that. All of those things are full. I'm excited about all of them. However, I'm going to be in Wisconsin coming up June 15 and 16, I believe it is. I'll give you information on that real soon. Uh, and then we will be in Mexico, Hope for Our Times Conference. Uh, Billy Crone and Brandon Holthouse will be joining me and then we'll be in San Marcos, California, San Diego area, and then uh, we'll be in Rockwall, Texas, just outside of Dallas. Uh, that information, all of those will be on the website and on the app on the events page coming up uh, real soon because all of those events are coming up uh, pretty soon. Hey, check this out. Just wanted, uh, this is encouraging for all of us because we get people that watch from all over the world, all different times they watch live, but here's the top 10 countries where people are that subscribe to, uh, that, that view, I hope for our times, whether it be on the app or on YouTube or wherever. The U.S., the United States, Canada, this is in order. Australia, number three. Uh, the U.K., South Africa coming in at number five, totally cool. Philippines, New Zealand, Netherlands, India, uh, Singapore. Man, to me, that is uh, really, that's just totally off the charts. I'll get a top 20 countries list for you too, because it's just, it's just really, really cool to see 
uh, people watching from all over the world. Maybe we'll do top 50 countries and then uh, we have the top 20 cities. I don't, know, I don't wanna go into all that with you right now. I've done that with you before. Uh, but let's just get going with what we're, uh, uh, what we're here to talk about because I really want you to be greatly encouraged. Think of this, almost 2,000 years ago, two millennia, inspired by the Holy Spirit, a former fisherman, uh, you know him, Peter, from Galilee, uh, he gave a profound warning to the Christian church of our day, right now. So think, 2,000 years ago, warning us today. 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 3 says, Knowing this first, the scoffers will come in the last days. Now, let's work through this, because my goal for all of anybody who watches this channel is to be well-educated and well-informed. I don't want to just do a bunch of stuff that's all hype and uh, but really to be well-educated and understand what the Bible actually does say about things. So that's why we're doing this. But MiriamWebster.com defines scoff or scoffers as an expression of scorn, derision, or contempt. And that's a perfect translation of the original Greek. In the past, scoffing had been reserved for the comedians to bring a laugh. But today, scoffing has become a national pastime in just about every nation on the earth. And something has changed. It has become a weapon to destroy your political enemies or others that you disagree with, or as the Bible warns, to destroy those that believe the Bible is true. And for those that are fake Christians, who claim to be believers but are not, in order to destroy those that actually believe the Bible, and those who believe that Jesus is coming again. And the, soul, the goal it seems to be to take away another's dignity, uh, to ridicule, to embarrass, to shut them down at all costs. And the truth does not matter to them. In 2 Peter chapter 3, uh, it continues and says, Scoffers will come in the last days walking according to their own lusts and saying, listen to what they're saying, where's the promise of his coming? For since the fathers fell asleep, all things continue as they were from the beginning of creation. So here we have two sad pieces of information that at first may seem contradictory. At first, these people walk according to their own lust. The Greek here, it carries the connotation of longing for that which is forbidden, like, like a drug addict uh, wanting something ever stronger. No perversion is enough. When society finally approves something once considered taboo, they go looking for something more extreme. And to its shame, society keeps following them down an ever-darkening path. Uh, to live according to one's own lust means to become a slave to perverse desires. So we see this playing out in society right now. I mean, you look back just a few years, and you think, you would never think we'd have transgenderism and all these different things happening. Men going into girls' locker rooms, men going into uh, girls' restrooms, men dressing like women, being promoted as normal. But if you look back and you see uh, just the progression of the, the sinfulness and this ever-darkening path that society has been on into perverse desires, this is what the Bible warns about. And it's this that will drive people into scoffing, even people that claim to be Believers, they're really following after their own lusts. I'm sure many of you saw the, the uh, Resurrection Sunday, as we would call it, Easter celebration, as many others call it, 
out of this one particular church. The, the, I wish I could remember the name of it. The whole service was just demonic. The lyrics that were sung, uh, the perverse things they were doing on the platform, all under the name of Christianity. So it's this type of thing. They don't want to hear about Jesus coming back. They don't want to have to deal with their own sin. Uh, no, it's just, it's just moving from one extreme to the next. If you think it's extreme now, it's only going to get worse. Okay, that's one of the reasons Peter gave. The second thing is that these people are not necessarily unchurched. Keep that in mind. They have some connection to the Bible and Christian teaching. So do not forget that. That's why they're familiar with the idea of the second coming. Our fathers told us about this. Uh, some have heard it their whole lives. Maybe their mom once said, uh, the late great planet Earth, and, and uh, once read the late great planet Earth, excuse me, and told them about it. And now they say, that book came out way back in 1970. Why hasn't Jesus returned? And uh, there were heirs with this, and there's heirs with that. And notice Peter also says, now our fathers told us that Jesus was coming again. The, the thought behind that again is that these people got some church background. We used to hear that in Sunday school. We got bored with hearing all that, but now they're following after their own lust, but being a part of a church. Hence, 2 Timothy chapter 3, they have a form of godliness, but deny the power, the power of the word. But under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, Peter had an answer for them. And starting in verse 5 of 2 Peter chapter 3, he wrote, For this they willfully forget, remember that, that by the word of God the heavens were of old, things Listen, things change. The universe we know had a beginning. It hasn't always existed. God put it in place. And he will put other things in place as well. They are not ignorant. These people are not ignorant because no one told them. They are ignorant because they have chosen ignorance over the knowledge of something that they don't want to believe. This makes the scoffers willfully ignorant exactly as Peter said, they choose not to believe that Jesus is coming back. They've made a conscious decision to ignore it, say, I don't want to hear about it. They're walking according to their own lust. Your talk is going to ruin my life. We're going to do church, but we're not going to talk about Jesus coming again. You have any friends like that? They reject the truth that the God who made the worlds also made promises concerning the return of Jesus. And God always keeps his promises. In 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 7, the Bible says, The heavens and the earth are preserved by the same word uh, of the same God who created us. And then Peter voices this warning to the scoffers, those who reject Christ for their whole lives, this is what Peter says, are reserved for fire until the day of judgment and perdition of ungodly men. God, our maker, will one day judge our world and all who ever lived in it. Uh, still the scoffers scoff. It won't happen, they argue, because I have never seen it happen. Uh, but until the 20th century, no one had ever seen world wars or an atomic bomb, uh, both of which seem to be prophesied in Scripture. Until this century, no one had seen the pocket-sized supercomputers known as smartphones, the existence of which facilitate several specific Bible prophecies. Their problem is that they are judging God's faithfulness using human timescales. Listen, that is a huge problem. God is in control, and everything is progressing exactly as God told us it would. He gave us the warning signs. And 
and this is just a big one, that even us who follow Bible prophecy, we tend to forget so we get too discouraged. Listen, Peter answers this also. Do not forget this one thing Peter wrote, that with the Lord, one day is as a thousand years and a thousand years as one day. God is not limited by time. In Isaiah chapter 57, the Bible calls him the high and lofty one who inhabits eternity. Uh, 2 Peter chapter 3 continues in verse 9, The Lord is not slack concerning his promises, some count slackness, but is long-suffering toward us, not willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So he's not slack. He is merciful. We complain that God allows evil in the world. I did. I, I think I may be one of the biggest complainers about this. That we forget that the evil in the world begins with us. We want God to put a stop to some kinds of evil, but not our kind. <laughs> for ourselves, we want mercy. It's interesting that he wants that for us too. And that's why he waits. For now, he chooses to give further opportunity for human beings to come to repentance. But he will not wait forever. Verse 10 goes on and says, But the day of the Lord will come. And the term day of the Lord is used in both the Old and New Testaments. It refers to a specific time of judgment in earth's future. The beginning of the day of the Lord coincides with the beginning of Daniel's 70th week, commonly referred to as the tribulation period. And that happens after the rapture. Uh, the day of the Lord continues through the tribulation, the second coming, the millennium, uh, the great white throne, and finally to a time described in 2 Peter chapter 3, verse 10, where the heavens will pass away with great noise and the elements will melt with fervent heat. Both the earth and the works that are in it will be burned up. Uh, verse 11 says, uh, the things of the world will be dissolved. Verse 13 says, Nevertheless, we, according to his promise, look for new heavens and a new earth. Listen, be encouraged. 2 Timothy chapter 4 says, Finally, there is laid up for me, as we shift, there's laid up for me, listen, the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not to me only, wrote Paul, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. And let me ask you this, and this is the argument that Peter was making. Do you love his appearing? Uh, probably do if you're watching something like this or you're wondering what it means, because you've got questions. The whole world is a mess. To love his appearing means long for him the way you long for any loved one whose return you look forward to with joy. The scripture uses the phrase, all who have loved is appearing, as another way to say Christian or follower of Christ. It's not saying we save ourselves by loving his appearing. We, we don't save ourselves. We can't save ourselves. But according to this, to love his appearing, to wait for him with eager expectation is normal for a healthy Christian. It's like having your temperature taken. It's not in the normal range you know something is wrong when it's not in the normal, normal range, right? And something is definitely wrong for hundreds of millions of people who claim to be Christians around the world right now. Some are not real Christians, they're fake. Others are, but for one reason or another, they don't want to think about the return of the Lord. Maybe things on earth are just 
too good right now for them. Or, or maybe they have plans and they don't want God to interrupt their plans. Listen, that's what happened when Jesus came the first time. He was rejected by many people just because he was going to ruin their plans. Many of the religious people rejected him for that reason. It's interesting, in the book of Acts, you find that some of those religious people come to faith in Christ. Nicodemus, a great story that is, right? But maybe that's how you feel, no matter how wonderful your plans. Listen, God's plans are better, far superior to anything we can imagine or think. And we think, man, well, I got the best of everything right now. I think it was Queen Elizabeth who thought that. <coughs> she said something like, um, I don't think heaven's going to be an upgrade for me. Uh, she didn't understand. I don't know if she's a believer or not, but her thought process was, I've got everything in this world that you could possibly have. How could heaven be better? Well, that's, that's messed up thinking because everything in this world is suffering because of the curse. Uh, Satan even knows this place is cursed. Wow. Heaven is incredibly better. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28 informs us that those who eagerly wait for him, he will appear a second time. To those who eagerly wait for him comes from a single Greek word, uh, which means to look for with ex joyous expectancy. We find that word seven times in the New Testament, each occurrence speaking of our attitude toward, we get this, the coming of Christ. Hebrews chapter 9, verse 28, which I just referenced. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 19. For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. That's so cool. Uh, Romans chapter 8, verse 23, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Romans chapter 8, verse 25, but if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. Uh, fifth one, 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 7, so that you come short in no gift, eagerly waiting for the revelation of our Lord Jesus Christ. Listen, you just think of those. I got a couple more to give you too. And how many people say, how many people who go to church say you shouldn't even be paying attention to those things? Listen, I heard that just recently coming from a message, a sermon from a pastor. Uh, don't pay attention to these things. That's not what the Bible says. We should be eagerly waiting for this. Here's the sixth one, Galatians chapter 5, verse 5. For we, through the Spirit, eagerly wait for the hope of the righteousness by faith. A seventh one, Philippians chapter 3, verse 20. For our citizenship is in heaven, from which we also eagerly wait for the Savior, the Lord Jesus Christ. Wow, that's a lot. And so those who say, don't talk about this stuff, and you get discouraged and they beat you up, listen, be encouraged. The Bible says just the opposite. Expect the scoffers to ridicule you, make fun of you. It's only going to increase, but also what are we to be doing? We're told over and over and over and over again to eagerly wait for this day. Why are we eagerly waiting for him? For one thing, at the rapture, the believer will be transformed. Philippians chapter 3, verse 21 says that Jesus will transform our lowly body that it may be conformed to his glorious body. That fits with 1 John chapter 3, verse 2. Beloved, and now we are children of God, and it has not yet been revealed what we shall be. But we know that when he is revealed, we shall be like him, for we shall see him as he is. To deny the Lord's coming is to call him a liar. In John chapter 14, verse 3, he promised, I will come again and receive you to myself, 
that where I am, there you may be also. Have you ever thought about that? To deny his coming is to call him a liar? I mean, that's pretty powerful. It all boils down to this simple question. Do you believe Jesus or not? He said he would rise again on the third day, and he did. He had to. If he hadn't, he couldn't be the Christ. He also said he would come again. He has to. The Messiah must fulfill certain things that he said he would fulfill when he returns. He promised to come back. Romans chapter 8, verse 22 says, The whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. Those are the birth pangs of a new world. Jesus said they would become more intense and come closer as we near the end of the age. The rapture and the second coming after uh, that are hopeful. Uh, they're comforting events when we understand the Bible. 1 Thessalonians chapter 4 tells us, For if we believe that Jesus died and rose again, even so God will bring with him those who sleep in Jesus or those who have died in Christ. For this we say to you, that by the word of the Lord, that we who are alive and remain until the coming of the Lord will by no means precede those who have died. For the Lord himself will descend from heaven with a shout, with the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet of God, and the dead in Christ will rise first. And then we who are alive and remain shall be caught up together with them in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. And thus we shall always be with the Lord. Therefore, comfort one another with these words. Listen, these words are not meant for fear, neither should they be scoffed at. These words are for comfort. Listen, I hope you were encouraged by this today. And if you're, you're out there, you're going, man, I just need to be able to connect some dots. There's so many fearful things. Listen, go back, rewatch this, send it to your friends, uh, because we have all these different passages where the Bible strengthens us as we look to uh, the coming of the Lord, as we eagerly await him. So don't be discouraged. Be informed. Be educated. Your faith will grow stronger. And listen, let's press forward until he comes. And remember, when we see these things begin to take place, look up, lift up your head with expectant joy. Man, eagerly awaiting him for our redemption draws near. God bless. Thanks for listening and being a part of this week's podcast. Before you go, I'd like to invite you to visit our website, hopeforourtimes.com, and check out the many resources we have to offer. On our website, we have books, DVDs, and daily news articles that will always keep you up to date on the times we're living in. If you'd like to see the video version of this week's podcast, you can find us at Hope For Our Times on YouTube. God bless, and we'll talk to you next time.